Then came to him certain of the Sadducees, which deny that there is any resurrection. And they asked him, saying, Master, uh, Moses wrote unto us, If any man's brother die, having a wife, and he die without children, that his brother should take his wife, and raise up seed or children unto his brother. There were therefore seven brethren, and the first took a wife, and died without children. The second took her to wife, and he died childless. And the third took her, and in like manner all seven took her, and they left no children and died. Last of all, the woman died also. Therefore, in the resurrection, whose wife of them is she? For seven had her to wife. And Jesus answering said to them, The children of this world marry and are given in marriage, but they which shall be accounted worthy to obtain that world and the resurrection from the dead, neither marry nor are given in marriage. Neither can they die any more, for they are equal unto the angels and are the children of God, being the children of the resurrection. Now that the dead are raised, even Moses showed at the bush, when he calleth the Lord God of Abraham, and the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob, he is not the God of the dead, but of the living, for all live unto him. Welcome to the Unchanging Word Radio Bible Study. Our teacher is Dr. John G. Mitchell, a man who was faithful in teaching the Word of God for more than 60 years throughout the Northwest. The name of our study, The Unchanging Word, highlights the fact that God's Word has not changed. What God reveals in His written Word was true in the past, is still true today, and will be true tomorrow. As you listen, you can expect the Word of the Living God to encourage, challenge, and comfort you. We live in difficult times, but we can expect our God to provide answers to the big questions in your life through His Word. Jesus Christ, the same yesterday, today, and forever. You are listening to the Unchanging Word Bible Broadcast. Whereas the previous question had political overtones about paying taxes, now the Sadducees now confront Jesus with a hypothetical question about a resurrection which they themselves did not believe in. And this was a doctrinal question about life after death with regards to marriage. And Dr. Mitchell gives us an exposition of the circumstances and the questions set before Jesus from these religious theological liberals. They did not believe in anything supernatural, neither angels or spirits or miracles, resurrection or even the afterlife. Jesus here, our Lord, demonstrates with Scripture that there is life after death for those who believe in Him. Scripture tells you and me that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of the living God. Here is Dr. Mitchell with Jesus' statement about those who have a relationship with the living God even after death. Luke chapter 20, verse 27. We come to you again with studies in the Word of God. We are in the Gospel through Luke, chapter 20. And we have been dealing with the Lord in His answering the, the problems confronting Him concerning the leaders of Israel. And you remember in the first part of the chapter, 
they question his authority. What right have you to cleanse the temple? Where do you get your authority? And do you remember how he shut them up? And then he told the story of the, the parable of the vineyard. And there was no question what he had reference to there, not only concerning the nation Israel and what they did with the prophets of the Lord, but what they would do with God's Son. And you remember, they perceived that he was speaking this parable against them. And this, of course, made them angry. And so they watched, and I'm going way down to verse 20. Uh, we find where they try, the chief priests and the scribes tried to trap the Savior. They sent men who were supposedly feigning themselves to be righteous men, good men. And you remember, this was a political question. Should they give taxes to Rome or should they not? The Pharisees said they should not. The Sadducees said yes. Now they say, what do you say? Now they thought they had him in a bind. If he says, do not pay your taxes, then we'll bring him up before the governor as being a rebel, as one who was trying to force an insurrection. And if he says, pay your taxes, and the Jewish people will be opposed to him. He will lose his popularity. So the Lord very, very wisely just said, as he confounded them, give me a penny, show me a penny. Give to Caesar that which belongs to Caesar. It has his inscription on it. It belongs to him. Rome takes care of you. You enjoy the blessings of the empire. Then you, you give to Rome what, it belong, what belongs to Rome. But by the same token, you owe something to God. You are made in the image of God. You owe God your life, all that you are. You see how he puts them in a box, and I read that they marveled at his answer, and they shut up. They held their peace. Now along came the Sadducees, and he had to confound the Sadducees in verses 27 to 38. Now, if with the priests and scribes the issue was a political one, the one with the Sadducees was a doctrinal question. And this we have, and this we see, a religious attack upon the Savior. Allow me to read at least part of the story. Verse 27, Then came to him certain of the Sadducees, which deny that there is any resurrection. And they asked him, saying, Master, uh, Moses wrote unto us, If any man's brother die having a wife, and he died without children, that his brother should take his wife and raise up seed or children unto his brother. There were therefore seven brethren, and the first took a wife and died without children. The second took her to wife, and he died childless. And the third took her, and in like manner all seven took her, and they left no children and died. Last of all, the woman died also. Therefore, in the resurrection, whose wife of them is she? For she had, or seven had her to wife. And Jesus answering said to them, The children of this world marry and are given in marriage, but they which shall be accounted worthy to obtain that world and the resurrection from the dead neither marry nor are given in marriage. I'm going to stop right there for a the moment. Now, you have here this question of the Sadducees. The Sadducees were those who did not believe in the supernatural. 
In fact, they had more or less of a contempt for the future life. Uh, and the question here involves more than, the, more than physical resurrection. It's really a question of immortality. You remember in the book of Acts 23, about the 8th verse, when the apostle Paul was taken captive in Jerusalem, and then eventually in 23 he stood before the Sanhedrin, when he noticed that there were many who were Pharisees, he said, Men and brethren, it's concerning the resurrection of the dead am I held in question today. And you follow it through, you remember, with, with King Agrippa in chapter 24, uh, pardon me, chapter 26 of the book of Acts. He said to King Agrippa, Think you it's an incredible thing that God should raise the dead. You see, the Sadducees were trying to trap him, and they were depending upon a, a supposed far-fetched, hypothetical case. Uh, and they argued, by the way, uh, can, shall I say quoting Scripture? You know, they can always quote Scripture when it's convenient. They were quoting from Deuteronomy chapter 25 where this matter is taken up. And having an erroneous conception of a future life, uh, they would, of course, have in their minds no answer to their question. Here's a woman, and she marries a fellow. And her husband dies. They have no children. So according to the law, his brother would marry this dear woman and raise children up for her, his brother. And he died. And all seven brothers had her. By the way, she was a remarkable woman. You talk about courage. Here's a woman who married seven men, all brothers, and still had no children. And eventually she died. Now the question is, if this resurrection, if there's an afterlife, which one of the seven will be her husband? Now that's the issue raised. Now remember the Sadducees, did not believe in a future life. They didn't believe in heaven. They didn't believe in hell. They didn't believe in angels. They didn't believe in any of these things. By the way, Jesus did. They had the conception when you're dead, you're dead. By the way, I've heard that these days too, haven't you? I've heard my own generation say that. Or I've heard others say, the only heaven you have and the only hell you have is what you have here on earth. Now, you might be whistling to keep up your courage when you say that, but my friend, write down in your own heart. There's been put in you, whether you know it or not, there's been put in you the knowledge that this life is not the only thing. Life doesn't end here. As Hebrews 9, 27 says, it is appointed on a man who wants to die. And after that, judgment it could not be any judgment if when we're dead, we're dead, and that's the end of the picture. Obliteration. No. The Lord, the Lord now answers their question. This ambiguous question. In verses 34 to 38, the children of this world marry and are given in marriage, but they which shall be accounted worthy to obtain that world and the resurrection from the dead neither marry 
nor are given in marriage, neither can they die any more, for they are equal unto the angels and are the children of God, being the children of the resurrection. Let me just stop here for a moment. Our Lord here is rebuking their carnality. Life in the future does not depend upon the flesh or upon some carnal desire. Marriage is for the earth. Heaven and earth are two different realities. There's no need for marriage in heaven. All are eternal. We don't propagate children when we get to heaven. Just as there's a definite number of angelic beings, they don't procreate, as far as we know. They're created in the family of God by creation. And likewise, when a person goes to glory, and I speak now of Christians, when we leave this scene, we go right into the presence of God. And we are like the angels in this sense that we will not be procreating. We do not have this question of marriage of a man and a woman producing children. But in heaven, all are eternal. Now remember, these Sadducees didn't believe in angels, didn't believe in an afterlife. But I might add, Jesus did. You see, all that the Sadducees saw was death. But Jesus saw life in all its fullness. No curse to mar, no death to fear, no judgment to meet. Children of God were divine life. Happiness is eternal. They die no more. We are children of the resurrection. We are children of God. You know, you have this in um, 16 Psalm 11th verse says, In thy presence is fullness of joy. At thy right hand there are pleasures forevermore. Take the 17th Psalm, the last verse, where it says, I shall be satisfied when I awake in thy likeness. The Apostle Paul could speak of it when he said in Philippians 1, 22-24, I'm in a strait betwixt two, having a desire to depart and to be with Christ, which is far better. Or 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verses 6-8, to eight, which declares, absent from the body, is present with the Lord. Now in that portion of Scripture we have that Christians are in one of two conditions. We are either at home in the body and absent from the Lord, as you and I are today, or we can be absent from the body and present with the Lord. Now that is, when a believer leaves the world, he goes right into the very presence of God. Death, which is a defeated foe, becomes the open door now into the presence of God or his people. I just suggest this. Happiness is a condition that's eternal for those where there's no curse, no death, no judgment. Children of God, enjoying divine life, enjoying divine love. What a marvelous thing. I repeat it. Jesus saw life in all its fullness, with no curse to mar it, no death to fear, no judgment to meet. Children of God, all the Sadducees saw was death. What do you see? I have to raise that question. Personally, I say this. If I leave this world, I go right into the very presence of God. I remember what Mr. Moody used to say. Uh, he said, if I lie in the casket, and you say, well, Mr. Moody is dead. 
He said, don't you believe it? You're looking at my body, but me, Mr. Moody's in the presence of his Lord. Wonderful thing, wonderful hope, that for the Christian, death is a defeated foe. We go right into the very presence of the Savior to enjoy his presence forever. But coming back to the question here, whose husband shall she be? Will she have in the resurrection? You know, once in a while I'm asked this question concerning the future. I remember a dear Christian woman, and by the way, she knows all about it now because she's in the presence of the Lord. But this dear woman had been married twice. Her first husband died. She became a widow. She married again. And her second husband died. And she said, now, Mr. Mitchell, when I get to heaven, she mentioned it by their first names. Which one will I have? And I, I said, listen, it's not a question of marriage in heaven. Of course you'll be together, but there's no marriage there. And remember, again, the 16th Psalm, the last verse, 11th verse. In thy presence is fullness of joy. At thy right hand are pleasures forevermore. If things down here on earth are wonderful, what is it going to be when you get to glory? My friend, I hath not seen nor ear heard nor has it entered into the heart of man the things which God hath prepared for them that love him, but God hath revealed them unto us by his Spirit, even the deep things of God. The man of the world knows nothing of the glories that are in store for the Christian, for the one who trusts the Savior. And these poor old Sadducees, though they knew it not, whether they knew it or not, though they disbelieved, they didn't believe in a resurrection, didn't believe in an afterlife, didn't believe in angels, didn't believe in immortality. My, what a day of reckoning it's going to be for them when they stand in the presence of God. And I'm sure I'm talking to some people today who say, well, I don't believe you. When I'm dead, I'm dead. It's going to be a real opening of your eyes, my friend, when you stand in the presence of God, in the presence of a holy, righteous God. And if you stand there in your sin without a Savior, you're going to hear him say to you, Depart from me, you workers of iniquity, I never knew you. Tragedy, isn't it? And God today, in his patience and his long-suffering, is offering eternal life to those who will accept him. Jesus believed in immortality. Jesus believed in resurrection. Jesus believed in an eternal joy, in an eternal life, in an eternal relationship. Do you? Do you? I say, my friend, this is the testimony of the Savior. Now then, let's go on. Neither can they die anymore, for they are equal to the angels and are the children of God, being the children of the resurrection. Now, I've already mentioned this, but let us go on to verse 37 to 38. Now that the dead are raised, even Moses showed at the bush when he calleth the Lord God of Abraham and the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. He is not the God of the dead, but of the living, for all live unto him. Now, here's a tremendous testimony. Even Moses showed at the bush when he calleth the Lord of the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob. He's not the God of the dead, but the God of the living. I would suggest sometime you read that book of Hebrews, chapter 11. And see the tremendous hope that God gave to his people down through the centuries. These are men who communed with God. 
Moses was the servant of God and talked with God face to face as a man talks to his friend. Or shall I put it the other way? God talked with Moses face to face as a man talks to his friend. And that's the way it should be. Or at the last chapter of Deuteronomy, it's written of Moses, the man whom God knew face to face. And he knew that he was the God of the living, not of the dead. He is Abraham, the friend of God. Well, you remember in Genesis 18, God said to Abraham, Shall I hide from Abraham the thing I'm going to do? God offered Abraham tremendous promises, tremendous blessings, and he entered not into them. He will because he believed in the God of resurrection. Isaac, Jacob, Moses, all the way down. Take all your prophets. Take the people of God down through the centuries. They have faced death, not with fear, but with real joy. How, how good it has been for me to be a pastor and meet with some of God's dear people. And I've been with them when they've gone from this scene and gone into glory. And to have them say to me, Dr. Mitchell, please don't pray for me to stay down here. I just want to go home. In fact, I received a letter just three or four days ago from a dear saint, and she said, you know, I'm just longing to go home. I'm not well in my body, but I want to go home. What puts that in their hearts? The, the blessed assurance of resurrection, glorification, the blessedness of being in a place where eternal life is enjoyed, relationship with, without anything to mar that fellowship with God, and to know it's going to be forever. No more suffering, no more tears, no more misunderstandings, no more suffering, no more sorrow, no more death. My friend, this is the hope of the Christian. What hope do you have? He's not the God of the dead. He's the God of the living. And again, may I say it, these Sadducees who did not believe in the supernatural, who did not believe in immortality, who did not believe in a life after death, who did not believe in angels. When they were dead, they were dead. I say, what a surprise it's going to be for them when they're going to be raised from the dead. And by the way, the one who shall raise them from the dead is none other than the Lord Jesus Christ, who is the resurrection and the life. The one they hated, the one they crucified, the one of whom they said, we will not have this man to reign over us. When they're raised from the dead, they're going to stand in his presence. The book of Revelation declares that they're going to be judged in the presence of the Lamb. My, what a day that's going to be. No wonder when I read the sixth chapter of Revelation, the end of the chapter, they shall cry for the rocks and the mountains to hide them from the face of him that sitteth on the throne, who's going to come in his glory. For the great day of his wrath, the wrath of the Lamb, is come. And who shall be able to stand? They're going to face God. And my friend, you will too. And if you tell me, Mr. Mitchell, I don't agree with you. When I'm dead, I'm dead. I'm going to tell you very frankly, I even know the one who's going to raise you from the dead. Our Savior said in John chapter 5, The hour is coming when all who were in their graves, all who were in their graves shall hear the voice of the Son of God, some to the resurrection unto life, some unto the resurrection unto judgment. 
I just pray that every one of you will hear me today and put their trust in the Savior. God has made provision for you to pass from death to life now. Allow me to quote that precious verse in John 5, 24. Verily, verily, I say unto you, he that heareth my words and believeth on him that sent me hath everlasting life and shall not come into condemnation but is passed from death unto life. This can be yours by putting your simple trust in the Savior. May you do it today. Help me, Lord, when toil and To take as from a father's hand One by one the days, the moments fleeting Till I reach the promised land Till I reach the promised land Thank you for listening to the Unchanging Word Radio Bible Study today. Write to us with your comments and your prayer requests to the Unchanging Word, P.O. Box 398, Dallas, Oregon, 97338. And so until next time, this is the Unchanging Word Radio Broadcast. Life begins at Calvary.